Yeah, hi, hello. Welcome to Commune College. This is a drive through podcast where three animals talk about things that they have approximate knowledge on when you pull up to the window. I'm Proxy, your cat service lady. What the fuck do you want? We just don't want anything. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was waiting for you to go, Keeble. Um, I'm Hyperlink. I'm a deer. Um, and, and I'm, you know, a, a long kind of awkward pause that makes you wonder, is my podcatcher working properly? Did this episode <laughs> render accurately? Guess what it did. <laughs> it's like that part in, um, the, uh, music video to, um, uh, short skirt, long jacket by cake where the song cuts out and the guy in the video is going, like, where'd it go? Where'd the song go? Where'd the song? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm Keeble, um, and actually, I, I changed my mind. Um, are, are you still there? Uh, I'm sorry for holding up the drive-thru. Um, Hyperlink, do you want anything? You're the only car who's been here in five hours. Do you guys have, like, um, a kind of crispy chicken sandwich situation? That involves having chicken, which I do not have. Hmm. Do you have, like, wow, a what are you, chicken? Chicken? What, uh, what did you say? Uh, um, I'm just, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Let me just talk to my uh, fellow driver here. I- I'm mm. sorry, Hyperlink. Don't you think and we are, and bit- we are both driving key detail. We kind of have two steering wheels too. It's like, a, it's do like you a- want me to, I, I might, <laughs> when you, when you have one person controlling the left steering wheel, who is a bird and you decide to order birds in front of me, it's like a I little, just, like, I was just asking if they had it. I'm glad they don't. <laughs> I'm just checking. <laughs> Thank you for checking. The menu is written off to the side, but also it is completely illegible, so it's understandable if you don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah it looks like it was like on a, on a whiteboard. Yeah, it just, it's a very much a Nintendogs kind of situation. <laughs> it just kind of, uh, at one point, it just said Jim carries the mask over and over again, oh, no. and that is not edible. Well, um, can I actually get, since I'm the only one in this drive through can I get um, a rant, like a like a like a maybe like a thirty to fifty minute rant that I could give you? Um, <laughs> since you're getting paid, are you getting paid hourly, uh, Ms. Yeah, Kat? yeah, yeah. Uh, pull up to the next window, and then we can totally get that settled. <laughs> uh, okay, hyperlink. I, I, do you have the gas hyperlink, and I have the brake? How does this work? How do gays know how to drive? Uh, we both have the gas and the brake and the steering wheel, and and the car just averages out whatever whatever inputs we give it. <laughs> okay, lurching forward, lurching. Okay, now you turn. You turn, no no okay, not that way, okay. not that. No, oh, 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 okay, oh, okay, okay, okay. Back up, back up. It was just a tree. Right. Okay, back up, back. Yeah. up. Okay, cool. My, now, my, now my whole side of the car was off, so now it's on. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Forward and cool. Okay. Second window. Here. We just we just got a branch. No no damage. Maybe yeah. the tree you might have got to a lean hard. a little bit, but that should be fine. Yeah, just we're, we're getting the hang of this car. Yeah, they yeah, say gays yeah. can't drive. Well, two of them can. <laughs> like two of these gays can drive. Uh, I, I the, work here. I went to the dealership. I said, "Give me your zaniest automobile." They said, "Chitty chitty bang bangs in the shop." So this is the, the, the good thing like the is. The good thing is on Thursdays, zany automobiles are twenty percent off. So it was really great deal. I mean, generally, it's like a car for the cost of like an e bike. Oh yeah, but uh, and we are e broke. So um, I uh, I've got a rant for you um in the drive through and uh, hyperlink. Do you mind listening as well? Sure, I'm in. But yeah, uh, before- you, you gotta pay me first, and then and then I can uh just like 
place my gay little elbows on the uh, side of the handoff plane and then just like stare. Okay, so I've got an unconventional way of paying you, but hear me out, okay? All right. Proxy, a couple weeks back, you did an episode on the Queen Amon, um, and after shortly after recording that, we, me and Hyperlink realized that a coffee shop that we regularly go to has Queen Amons for sale, so we decided it would be cute if we got a Queen Amon and recorded ourselves eating it so that you could have both of our honest live reactions to eating this pastry for the first time. So a little bit of a, uh, before we start our episode today, a little Commune College follow-up on a proxy episode. Coming college on the street. Um, here is the live audio. That's our payment. <laughs> okay, I'm. I'm. I can accept that. Uh, as long as I also get a queen Amon. We'll work on it. We'll have our people talk to your people. Um, here's the audio. We're here with a on the street commune college update. I'm hyperlink number one dear dog of the area. I'm Keeble, which means that we don't have commune quorum, but we're close. We're close. Um, but what we do have instead of our uh, third co-host here is. Um, a Queen Amon. Uh, the, the, the very article in the flesh here, you can kind of hear me tapping on it, um, that we purchased at our, at our favorite local uh, coffee shop. Yeah, we uh, we would have done this sooner, but we only noticed after doing our regular order last week that they had Queen Amons. Right, and, and now we have them, uh, we have at least one uh, right here. So how do we want to do this tasting? Um, I'm thinking like Lady in the Tramp style. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, do you want to like, I, I feel like the easiest way to do this is like eat it from the top. We don't really have a, uh, just a, uh, for the listener, we don't really have a knife or fork here. We've right. got this like big muffin like thing. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. And no, I mean, it's like a muffin. Cause I'm, you've heard the episode. But, and, uh, and, and of course there'll be a photo of it in the show notes. I think I'm just going to tear off a hunk here. If that's cool with you. I'll burn in, uh, we Yes, um, please, for, please forgive the uh, uh, noise of the, the, oh my god, it's sticky. Hopefully you can hear some of that nice tearing. Oh my god, it's oh, that's so layered. Beautiful. That is beautiful. Oh, Hyperlink giving me the majority. <laughs> oh yeah, I can see. Mm. Oh, that's really good. That's very good. Okay, that's, I get it. I like this a lot. It's just like a sweeter version of a croissant, but not so sweet that you want to go full breakfast pastry. Yeah, um... Only, only marginally sweeter than a croissant, but it has that same buttery lightness to it. Definitely got the layers. It's very good. Oh yeah. Hey, I'd get this again. It's a lot. Oh, it's I'm, a lot. I'm glad I'm splitting this with you. It's indulgent. <laughs> it's very good. Um. But anyway, um, back to you, hosts with better recording. <laughs> yes. Oh. Hey, that's us. Oh wow. Oh wow, that is us. And wow, I'm glad y'all liked it. It, it was good. It's a, it's a treat. It is definitely a decadent treat. It's one of those things that would definitely be too sweet if it didn't have all the butter, but the butter balances it out nicely. It was just a really a really nice uh, thing I'll probably get from time to time now. Oh, yeah. And now that I know that coffee shop has Queen of Mons, I can add that into my weekend walks. Yeah, they hide there, but they but they do have them. Um, so, Actually, uh, I could get one tomorrow morning. Shit. Yeah, well... What what are you going to be wearing on on going there tomorrow morning? What what kind of garments would you be considering? Not not specifically, but like what sorts of? This is not like coming on to you. This is just like uh, we're we're having we're we're trying to do some some uh some small talk to get into this drive through rant here. You know, okay, with, with okay. the drive through. I I thought this was I'm nailing I, this I hyperlink. This was flirting, I am, I am fucking nailing I, this hyperlink. You're doing a great job. <laughs> well, you see, the thing is, I might just. 
instead of forego, like I'll just forego the concept of pants and just wear a dress and some tights and hope that that will be enough. Well, see, those all sound to, what's the word? Uh, common, acceptable, feminine as well. Why don't we take Yay. something? Yeah. Um, why don't we Why don't we spend our time talking about a different kind of garment, one that I don't think any of us wear? Maybe we Maybe we did at some point. I, I know I certainly did at some point, and maybe the two of you might have as well. Um, but I, I certainly don't need more, and that's cargo shorts. <sighs> Let's, Let's go. Um, so I do want to, uh, before we even start this episode, I do want to just like right off the bat say that I don't want this to be like a mean-spirited episode towards people who wear cargo shorts. Like for some of our listeners, there are probably people that are listening to this and probably are wearing cargo shorts when they're listening to this. And it might hit a little close to home to hear an episode about the garment that you're wearing that might not take it in an entirely positive direction. Know that, listener, we, we do care about you, and the information that we present to you in this episode of Commune College is for your own good, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but it, this is not meant to be, like, I, we, I don't want to, my intention with this is not to hurt people's feelings. It is, it is to make a point about a particular garment that I think needs discussing. Is this uh, the first time that we've had to add a content warning? This is not a call out to an episode? <laughs> I believe so. Um, <laughs> although basically every single episode any of us host is that to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So let's come up with a definition of, of the topic together. What do you think of when you think of cargo shorts? We'll start with you, Hyperlink. Yeah, so um, I think about the cargo shorts that I used to wear when I was younger. Um, uh, which were kind of like if you imagine um, parachute pants cropped a little bit past the knee, but made mm -hmm. out of like a, a burlapy khaki material. A lot of times you get like little random bits of string kind of hanging down for some reason. You definitely little danglies, get like, yeah. Yeah, you get like a, a, mm -hmm. a kind of like strange fabric belt that's like physically attached to the cargo pant. Cargo short, rather. Oh. Um, you get, like, a, a baggy pocket that only holds, like, a uh, Nintendo 3DS or, like, maybe a Swiss Army knife and nothing else ever. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I think of. Uh, Proxy, anything to add or amend uh, to that? Like, nothing really to amend to that other than the fact that, like, a lot of cargo shorts uh, that I experienced when growing up slash uh, being in my mid-twenties because uh, I this is not a call-out, I swear. I was just living with someone who wore cargo shorts and I believe still does even in his mid-thirties. Uh, it's just, like, they range from either khaki to camo pattern and nothing else from everything i've seen oh my god can i raise you like the weird uh, plaid the people are always doing madras plaid too you're thinking of okay so this is uh i wasn't intending on talking about this but i think what you're talking about was the late 2000s madras short thing and yes there were absolutely madras cargo shorts that were a thing that in in the late 2000s oh let me look MFs this up are absolutely rocking some madras even to, even like to this day i see those yeah. out and about 
Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, I, I think of this as like a late 2000s thing. I'm going to post this in the chat. But this Madras, uh, Madras for the listener is not just plaid, but it's a combination of multiple plaids. I wore these. Yeah, they were, yeah, they were like, ubiquitous. It, uh, still on the this is not a call out wave, like I wore all the pants I just talked about. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah I mean, there they are. Bro. I wore cargo that, shorts. Ones. Dress yourself cargo shorts in bleeding I... madras. Like, Vampire Weekend was hyping the style up. Like, I, I wore cargo shorts until, like, I decided to stop wearing shorts that were any longer than, like, thigh high. That's just a generally a, a a good rule in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, make your own cutoffs, friends. Make your own cutoffs. All right, we've got a good definition of cargo shorts. I agree, by the way, definitely with the colors that were mentioned of just camo, specific kinds of burlapy khaki, and like the and the the, the madras was definitely or the plaid was definitely of a time. I, you don't see that quite as much anymore but oh, madras also but that's, like a deep blue, like a deep deep blue. Deep blue is a little less common, uh but I do see it from time to time. A little bit more common back in the time. Um I do want to note in the picture that I shared with you, look at the general state of these cargo shorts. Like just like look at how wrinkled they are, dilapidated. I, I think that that's another typical thing I associate with cargo shorts is that their pockets are big enough that they kind of to really like work as a garment need to be ironed. But nobody like, who the hell is ironing shorts? I'm sorry. That's no. <laughs> like, who is ironing cargo shorts? I have certainly never ironed cargo shorts before I wore them in my life. I have ironed other people's cargo shorts. Including the same exact ones you just posted into chat. God. I definitely owned those ones. It, it's just like the Coles, the classic Coles pick, you know. It's but it, it started from a different place than Coles. So uh, the tone we've how do, how do we feel about these? Rotted, uh, gutted, busted, bad. I don't like them. Yes, and I, and I again, I, I do apologize to anybody who is literally wearing cargo shorts anybody while listening to this. I'm, I'm sure there is somebody who is listening to cargo shorts while listening to this episode. People am, who wear these, I can't judge you because I still wear graphic tees. I mean, I'm wearing a graphic tee right now. Are you kidding me? I'm wearing a graphic tee from 2009, you know? I'm wearing, and I'm wearing, I'm wearing like... It, and I'm wearing like old navy, like Cheeto, like pink shorts. You know, I'm not like I'm not, I'm not the paragon of fashion here. But I think that the the un basically everybody who doesn't wear cargo shorts loathes them. I think is a pretty fair thing to say. Is that correct? I would say that's pretty true. I, the way I would describe it, it's like it's understandable, but not recommended to wear cargo pants. I mean, cargo shorts rather, and it's like, like shorts specifically. If I was buying something for somebody, I would never buy them cargo shorts. If somebody asked me to buy them cargo shorts, I would tell them to reconsider. Same. <laughs> and, and there are I would be like, would you like a nice backpack? There, there are a couple reasons for this, but we'll, we'll go through that. Um, before we, other than talking about our own personal reasons, though, let's let's go into uh, some stuff that's more, uh, that's been written down. Because there was a bit of a cargo shorts writing boom in 2016 when everybody decided they wanted to write about cargo shorts for some reason. 
And it started um, from a Wall Street Journal story um, with an exemplative anecdote. And the uh, the Wall Street Journal-style uh, article, the, the, the title of the article is uh, relevant here. It's called, Nice Cargo Shorts, You're Sleeping on the Sofa. Oh, my God. And this is how it, it starts. Quote, Dane Hansen, who operates a small steel business in Pleasant Grove, Utah, says that throughout his 11-year marriage, 15 pairs of cargo shorts have slowly disappeared from his closet. On the occasions when he has confronted his wife about the missing shorts, she will either admit to throwing them away or deflect confrontation by saying things like, Honey, you just need a little help. Mr. Hansen, 35 years old, is now down to one pair of cargo shorts, and he guards them closely. He has them hid- he has hidden them in a small closet nooks where his wife can't find them. Quote, I don't let her get my hands on them, he said. I wish I'd caught on sooner. So, yeah, that's, uh, th- this, I think is a pretty exemplative attitude towards a lot of people's attitudes towards cargo shorts. Um, I don't really think uh, many partners see them as a desirable thing in a, in a mate anymore. Um, definitely uh, some time ago that was the case. Cargo shorts, we, we should back up. Cargo shorts were in fashion at one point. This is We're talking about them now in the context of time, but cargo shorts were not always thought about the way that we think about them now, of course, right? Right. And yeah. cargo shorts came from cargo pants, which about eight years ago, cargo shorts and cargo pants were about equally as unfashionable. But now you see an interesting thing happen is that cargo pants are kind of back in in like club scenes. Like if you go into like, uh, you could, I could see like a Ketter Levansky type, you know, wearing like a cargo pant, doing some sort of Y2K dancing thing, like a, like a Yeji baby wearing cargo pants. That's something I can see. And plenty of other ridiculous fashion trends of the 90s that were thought of as ridiculous at the time have come back since then. Fanny packs, Hawaiian shirts, you know, lots of stuff that we didn't, you know, has just generally followed that 20 to 30 year cycle of something's unpopular and it gets back popular again. We're seeing juicy couture uh, velour track suits again, but not cargo shorts. Like they're just not back. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because like most clothes repeat in cycles. So my question is, what makes these different? Well, I I have a joke response. Please do. Might I, it might be it might be more true than you think. Exactly. That's what I'm afraid of. So cargo pants have a tendency to also unzip at the knee, which means you already have cargo shorts on you, and you can always transform into cargo shorts or cargo jants. Oh my god. I will say that having owned, I, I literally did own pants exactly like that at one point. Um, I own pairs of short, uh, pairs of pants like this when I was in high school, so I understand. I find the problem with those is that if you once you unzip the pants for the summer, when you zip the legs back on, now you've got two tone pants because the the top half have faded and the bottom half have not. It's, it's it doesn't really work in practice as well as you'd think it would. That's why you reattach them uh, as soon as you, like, throw them, like, are about to throw them in the laundry. Did you do the thing where you pretended you had, like, scraped knees or you, like, only unzipped part of it and you're like, yeah, I've got the ripped knees? Yeah. I I did not do that. that. Oh, I did that all the time. So. I I did it to, like, fake a a knee injury once. (laughs) And now I have bad knees. Well, it's <laughs> you you get what you give to quote a 90s song. Um thanks so, 90s. Thanks new radicals who played the a Biden inauguration randomly. Um 
So uh, what I'll be citing here is a Drake Bear article for The Cut, um, which has a good little overview of some of the history of cargo pants. Cargo pants um, are a military innovation, right? So when we think about where cargo pants came from, they were born out of pure convenience originally for pilots in World War II. When you think about the orientation of a cockpit, the only pockets you can often reach are the ones right in front of you. So big cargo pouches make sense. Uh, This further expanded to the military as a whole throughout the Vietnam era as soldiers were just asked to carry more and more and more and more and cargo pants just became useful. There's some other conflicting reports I've seen about cargo pants. I've seen some that say that some of the first cargo pants were developed by a general who didn't like that um, soldiers were putting their hands in their pockets. So just like changed the pockets to be a place where soldiers couldn't put their hands in them. Some I see the cockpit story of like accessibility. Um, what we do know is just that they're around uh, by the 1950s. By the 1950s, you know, soldiers are starting to carry more and it starts becoming more abundantly useful uh, to have them in military settings. Um, and eventually, as Bear points out, cargo pants are no exception to the trend of military fashion eventually moving into the fashion mainstream. Uh, Bear quotes Kim Jenkins, who's a visiting assistant professor of fashion design at the Pratt Institute. Uh, The cut notes, quote, military dresses had this trickle-down effect, and men wore these garments home, and they ended up on the street. Uh, Garments like, for example, the t-shirt. The t-shirt was a Navy innovation. People don't even think about that, right? The t-shirt came from the Navy. The Clark's Desert Boot. Uh, it was a military thing. Ubiquitous now are bomber jackets, right? Like, And what do you think about people who wore bomber jackets were people in bombers of airplanes. So military fashion does pass down to um, non-militaristic aspects and cargo shorts and cargo pants where uh, cargo pants initially, which then got turned into cargo shorts sometime around the 80s. Um, as far as we could tell, they were probably first marketed to fishermen um, the first time that they were specifically shortened into shorts, but that's not really when they make their main impact. That comes a little later in the decade. But what makes cargo pants boom in popularity, right? Business casual culture, basically. Men started going, wait, well, what's the point of wearing a suit to the office every day? But these same men wanted something that felt slightly elevated, right? So what happens is you start getting business casual, right? You you start going into the office maybe on Fridays and you're wearing khakis and uh, a polo shirt. Well, here's a problem now. Khakis used to be something that were just home clothes, but now khakis are appropriate for work. And a problem happens when you wear clothes to work. You don't want to wear them outside of work because you think about work when you wear them, right? So you might now think of work when you think of your Cheetos and your polo shirts. So um, there were, it became a natural thing to, for the Gap, Abercrombie & Fitch, and Old Navy, who, as the cut points out, positioned cargo uh, pocketed chinos, cargo pocketed chinos and khakis as a perfect middle ground between re- regular khakis and like sweatpants and jeans. So they, it was just like this nice kind of fashion middle ground to reflect that time. But it's more than just that. Um, as fashion branding expert Dr. Joseph Hancock, and <laughs> more Dr. Hancock later, uh, as he says in a Philadelphia Magazine interview, the bleeding edge of this trend is 80s preppies, right, who are drawn to the, its association to, with military and classic style. Quoting Dr. Hancock here, quote, If you think about preppy dress, which is really funny, preppy style has a a lot of military uh, style garments in it that are key fashion components. And that's probably tied to the whole concept of quality, durability, timelessness. Like the t-shirt, which comes from the Navy, is timeless. Preppy is what picked up the polo shirt, the Lacoste polo shirt, which is a tennis garment. So sports and military apparel really infiltrated in that whole movement. And then designers that were noted for that movement, like Ralph Lauren, The Gap, picked them up and moved them into mass fashion. 
Bear, again, in the cut, also importantly notes that pockets in general are masculine-coded and long have been. He quotes uh, Brent Luvas, who's an associate professor of anthropology at Drexel University, and uh, notes that the perceived ease and convenience of cargo shorts is married in with a privilege regarding not caring about how you look. It's kind of in- intricately tied with that, which itself is only in general afforded to cishet men in general. Itself notwithstanding that women have been fighting to have pockets, period, on their clothing forever. I'm not talking cargo pockets. I'm talking like a pocket, <laughs> like just a regular one like that you can use and fit a, a wallet in. Uh, this is this is quoting Luvas here, uh, the professor of anthropology. Quote, women hate it when their husbands or boyfriends wear cargo shorts because it's a garment that says, I no longer care about what you think about me. I'm comfortable where I am. I'm not trying to change, which is not an exciting proposition, he says. It does not signal striving. Maybe this is why people wear it on weekends or days off. It's not associated with work, even though it's supposedly utilitarian. A declaration of not being a part of fashion. So what are our thoughts so far? I think that the um, allusions to gender and like the ease being about not being a part of fashion are are well taken. Um, yeah, yeah. I um, when uh, me and Hyperlink were talking about this uh, off show before, and you uh, you used a phrase that I really like is that they are uh, masculine coded in the way that masculine is coded neutral and like androgynous almost. I think that's a very good way of pointing it. They they let yeah. you, as a cishet, um, or not really even as a cishet, they let you slip into the background of masculinity, essentially. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's basically allowing yourself to be the masculine-coded, neutral human. It is the most uh, background piece of clothing. But it didn't start out that way, though, right? It's just become that way. We're talking about military, and then we're talking about preppy kids, right? Like... How did, but, but what we're talking about here, about what it's like, the, this, the, this whole thing about uh, what Dr. Luvas says here about uh, uh, doesn't signal striving. Well, you don't think preppies are striving, right? The military is striving? I mean, that's, that's, that's got to be something that's a fairly recent thing here. And just a special tribute here. Do you know the part in a Commune College episode where you're just like, okay, this is a fairly reasonable topic, and then it goes off the fucking deep end when you're doing the research, and you're like, oh, shit. Yes. Absolutely. So this is about the point in my research where I look into Dr. Joseph Hancock, who I mentioned before, quoted from him a little bit in an interview. Hugely indebted to Dr. Joseph Hancock here. He is also in Drexel University. And he wrote his 2007 dissertation on cargo pants and shorts. This 300-plus page academic dissertation is free and absolutely incredible. Uh, And to my pleasant surprise, frames its analysis of cargo shorts on Jean Baudrillard's theory of hyperreality. So I'm Hell just yeah, like, I am go. like, I'm like, all right, we're 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 in. I I should. Okay, okay. Here's the fucking thing. As soon as you like, okay. I was so excited for this the moment you brought this shit up because you talked about this on the long ass charity stream I did and then started like quoting shit from like this, like in this paper. Yeah. And I'm just like fucking crying. Viewers of uh, proxy's birthday stream were lucky enough to see me discover this live and like react to the existence of this. 
Um, it exists on the internet. You can go back and watch the VOD and watch all 10 hours of me slowly losing my mind. As does the paper itself. The academic paper is free, uh, if that's your sort of thing. It's linked in the show notes, which I do recommend just reading anyway. A little bit of a warning about this paper, much like the um, Daxophone uh, episode. This is one of those where it's an auto-downloading PDF, so just be ready to download 300 pages when you click on that link uh, that is cited there. So, um, yeah, he's framing his analysis of cargo shorts in this very postmodern uh, Marxist idea, uh, Jean Baudrillard's theory of hyperreality. Uh, I think he defines hyperreality really, really well. So, to define what that means, I'm going to do an extended quote of his paper here. This is from page 83 of his paper. So, this is 80 pages in, okay? <laughs> quote. Jean Baudrillard, an influential postmodernism theorist, defines postmodernism as a time of simulation where the boundaries between what is real and perceived as real have been conflated. This conflation blurs the lines between what an individual knows as reality and what is reality, thus causing confusion. An individual's ability to distinguish between what is real and what is attainable versus fantasy is what Baudrillard calls hyperreality. Those having social standing at the macro levels of consumer culture create the distortions between reality and hyperreality. So Baudrillard contends the sign, the real, or the image is distorted through moving through the following stages. And here are these four stages. One, it is a reflection of basic reality. The sign is a reflection of reality. Number two, the sign masks and perverts a basic reality. Number three, it masks the absence of a basic reality. And four, finally, it bears no relation to any reality whatever. It is its own pure simulacrum or simulation. In its first stage, the object is shown in what Baudrillard calls the natural state. For example, a pair of cargo pants displayed alone without context, verbal, or visual presentation. Just cargo pants. In stage two, the cargo pants are aesthetically presented in a contextual state with verbal and visual clues that have been created by those of social standing, Baudrillard's words for people of cultural and social power, who distort the object, cargo pants in this case, and give it new meaning. Stage three represents the absence of all previous reality of the object, cargo pants in this case. Uh, the origins, the use, histories, functions, ideology of a garment, cargo pants, are erased by those of social standing. Moreover, the cargo pants are placed in a fantasy context. In stage four, the object, cargo shorts, is part of a whole new reality and has almost no relation to its origin. This is hyper-reality. Any thoughts or questions? No, I, I'm very familiar with Baudrillard and hyper-reality. Same, and I think that that's still, like, probably the, like... This is probably the easiest summation of hyperreality I've ever heard. So just to repeat that again, because this can be, a it was certainly a confusing topic for me when I first learned this. So just to go over this one more time, the contention here is that, so um, things move through stages in terms of whether, the, what is being signified when you're seeing something like on a screen or something, right? It moves through stages in how we perceive that object. Cargo pants, contextless, um, without any context, are just a garment, right, with with things sewn on the sides of them. You describe the cargo shorts that you see just as a short with pockets, you know, when we're describing it purely in visual sense. Or maybe we describe it through its military functionality, its original intended use. Then um, the stage two, this people of social standing, this is the preppy part, right, where the preppy people are starting to wear this. And stage three is when regular people start copying the preppy people, 
And then eventually once the influencers are no longer wearing it and it's just regular people, it's just regular people. And there's a slow die-off in the fashion, right? You'd see an example of pure hyper-reality there. The cargo shorts no longer representing anything to do with the military anymore, or even anything to do with preppy people who originally co-opted it from the military. So hyper-reality through media pre uh, presents itself in a lot of corners of the world. Dr. Hancock points out that airbrushed photos on dating profiles, for example, is a way that hyper-reality shows up even in the ways that we choose to present ourselves. But the main way hyper-reality presents in the context of cargo pants and shorts is through brands. Um, and what I mean by hyper-reality presenting through brands, uh, let's quote Baudrillard here. This is from Baudrillard's uh, book, The System of Objects, pages 188, uh, 187 through 188 of the system of objects, quoting Baudrillard here, quote, buying today bears no resemblance to a free or living form of exchange. It is a predetermined operation in which two strictly incompatible systems confront one another, one being the mobile, inconsistent individual with his needs, his conflicts, and his negativity, the other being the codified, classified, discontinuous, and relatively consistent system of products in all of their positivity. There's no interaction between the two, but there is certainly a forced integration of the system of needs into the system of products. Of course, the net result does constitute a system that signifies as well as a system of, of procuring satisfaction. But for there to be language, there has to be syntax. And in case of objects of mass consumption, all we have is an inventory. Does that make any sense? Does that make sense? I'd say so. Yeah. So yeah, if, if buying is how we communicate, if, if hyper-reality is to have, you know, having things and um, material possessions and what those communicate about us instead of, um, instead of you know, uh, what is real, what is actually there, uh, what he means by, uh, in this case, where he says, for there to be a language of this, if, if what we're talking to people is in what we buy, then the language, the syntax, the grammar of what we buy is the specific garments. That inventory is of brands, of choices, of things to buy. And in particular, the company that brought cargo shorts into this desirable syntax of ways to signal that we, too, are authentic was traditionally an authentic outdoor camping and safari outfitter. Why, yes, I'm talking Abercrombie and Fitch. Do we know much about the history of Abercrombie and Fitch? Not the history, but I'm obviously very familiar with them. I am not super familiar with the history of Abercrombie and Fitch, and I've never honestly shopped there. So, um, like, it used to sell, like, guns and camping equipment, and, like, it was almost like an L.L. Bean kind of, or a Land's End outdoors wear kind of place. Maybe almost like a Bass Pro Shop, I guess you could compare it to. So it's very different than what we think now. When you think of Abercrombie and Fitch now, you probably think of something in the mall, you know, that's dark lighting and all of that, right? But initially... Yeah, I think of the fucking models. Well, initially, it was not that at all. It was this outdoors real realtor, like, that was doing this kind of, like, very, like, you're going out in the jungle, you know, and you need, like, trekking outfits. So, like, this is, like, it, like, it was, like, a place where people didn't just buy clothes, right? But it eventually goes downfall. So... 
1988, it was bought by the Limited Brands. The Limited Brands owned by close Jeffrey Epstein associate Les Wexner, who also owned uh, Victoria's Secret, the Limited, several other things. Uh, you know, Les Wexner and uh, the whole Jeffrey Epstein empire, big connection to modeling in general. They they tend to lean on their models. Victoria's Secret certainly did, and Epstein and horrible things that he did certainly leaned on accessibility to models. And when the Limited brought Hyper, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch, he wanted to take, and Les Wexner and the Limited wanted to take the brand in a hyper-real direction, oriented towards youth fashion. We are no longer an outdoors realtor, uh, real, um, we are no longer an outdoors reseller anymore. No, we sell you the clothes of the glamorous people who dress like they're going outside. Right? Writes Dr. Hancock. Quote, Youth-obsessed marketing became a key vehicle for the new Abercrombie & Fitch to gain success in the retail market. In addition to a shift in their advertising campaign, the company redesigned the basic garments it sold. They redesigned them in worn and washed fabrications and refitted them in fashion silhouettes for a youth-oriented consumer. A t-shirt became a muscle-fit tee, while cargo pants were given the name paratroops, which the company trademarks. Moreover, by attaching A&F patches on sweaters, pants, and denim garments, Abercrombie gained strong brand recognition. And then there was, of course, the omnipresent Abercrombie Magalog. Yes, that's what they called it, the Magalog, like magazine and catalog combined. It was brimming with half-naked hyperreal wasps. Again, quoting Hancock from pages 61 through 2 of his dissertation, quote, from its first publication in 1995 until it ended in 2003, the ANF Magalog featured cargo pants and shorts continuously in both photos and models and layouts. The garments were stylized to a point beyond recognition through the application of tears and rips. Cargo styles were a staple in the ANF assortment, and the retailer was identified as a key player and mass distributor of cargo pants. The overall style of each cargo pant and short was minimal. Variations in color seemed to be the major difference. However, even those became repetitive. During the late 1990s, owning a pair of ANF cargo pants or shorts was almost essential. As Greg Lindsay stated, quote, the quarterly made Abercrombie's name synonymous with a neo-preppy look found in its clothes and the all-American perfections of its models. But its edgy tone and imagery drive critics, and there were many, over the edge. This suggests that it was definitely not the clothing that makes uh, A&F unique, but it's advertising. Um, there's a kind of, unquote, there's a kind of direction that I didn't take this that I do find interesting, though, that Dr. Hancock does write about. I didn't really write much about this, but I do want to bring it up, is that um, a lot of the photographers that they have photographing the Abercrombie and Fitch catalog were prominent gay photographers, and the Abercrombie and Fitch catalog was incredibly homoerotic. It was, you know, often like when I say that they had cargo shorts, mm -hmm. I mean they had a jacked shirtless man that looked like Brad Pitt wearing cargo shorts and nothing else. They sure did. In, in uh, black and white. They were using sex appeal to sell like crazy. And because of that, they did actually, uh, cargo shorts did not just gain a foothold in the in the straight community, but they gained a foothold in gay male community as well. Um, it's, it was not just a cishet thing. And because, I mean, Abercrombie and Fitch was leaning into it. They were, they, they knew, they knew they were, what they were doing was sexy and it worked. They got, you know, a photographer's known, uh, a gay photographer's known for photographing gay people and they did a good job with it, you know? They had, they had shirtless people standing around inside of Abercrombie and Fitch stores. They were lit dark, all in the guise. And this is like, by the time we get to like the late 90s, we are so far away from Abercrombie and Fitch being an outdoors re uh, retailer. You would barely know that was the case, right? Even though all of these fashions that they're selling 
kind of descend from that, really. Like, it's taking that style and taking it to another direction. Almost identical to what another company did in the late 70s called Banana Republic. That was also a safari and, like, going out into the jungle retailer that then became an upscale menswear place. Hmm. What do you think it was called? Banana Republic, anyway. So, I, I never thought about it. I just never thought about it. Yeah, that's uh, that's why they have, like, safari influences on a lot of their clothing. Um, so at the end of the day, Dr. Hancock contextualizes the contemporary hatred of cargo shorts because now we're a lot past that 90s period, right? Like, we're not—it's it, not the Sum 41 fat lit music video anymore. People still wear cargo shorts, but it's—we don't look at them in the Abercrombie and Fitch model way anymore. This is not what kids are wearing in high school, and it hasn't really been since, what, a long time now? Do kids still wear cargo shorts? I don't think they do. I honestly don't think so, no. I, I would struggle to find, I mean, maybe the, maybe some of them, if they, they're hand-me-downs, because they're ubiquitous now in thrift stores, so that that might be it, but I, I, I don't... Um, report back to us, Coming College listeners. Do kids wear cargo shorts? Uh, report back I, I to us. I feel like kids still do. I don't know what a child is. People who who know kids, you know, maybe maybe have kids of their own, uh, Coming College listeners, ask your kids if their kids' friends wear cargo shorts. I'm curious to know. Um, but let's. But now they're at least among adults, as we see by this uh, uh, Washington po- or I'm sorry, Wall Street Journal article that I started this with. Cargo shorts are loathed. And somebody asked him in Philadelphia Magazine, an interviewer asked Dr. Hancock, well, why do you think cargo shorts are hated so much? And he contextualizes the contemporary hatred of cargo shorts from men being encouraged not to shop for clothes after being perceived as the breadwinner. As he says to Philadelphia Magazine, quote, men are focused on cars. They'll buy electronic devices. They'll buy, you know, and if you're buying this stuff and those cargo pockets are still great because they store things. But the last thing they'll really do is focus on their own appearance. Men have a tendency to negate their own appearance, especially as they get older. And so I said, those guys haven't really thrown them away because they're still wearing them because they're allowing their wife to buy new clothes. They're buying clothes for kids. And that's why they have still have 15 pairs of cargo shorts. Because in the 90s, they were in college and high school trying to attract the girl to go out with, right? Uh, the person to go out with. They were buying clothes then. They haven't been buying them now. So they haven't advanced and they haven't thrown them away. I should note, on a personal note, I my roommate wears cargo shorts and was wearing them yesterday. And one of the reasons he gave was, yeah, I haven't really changed my style since high school. It's a masculinity thing. Just a signal of masculinity is not participating in fashion. It's one of the first things that is given up, which is interesting. That, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's uh, for all of the, uh, you know, desire to dress and appear more manly one of the first things to go is any sense of like in terms of generic uh cis heteronormative masculinity is the idea of fashion the idea of needing to like care for that personal aesthetic proxy did you used to wear cargo shorts at at one point yes Okay, so very biased sample, but 100% of the surveyed audience uh, is trans. So <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, it's like uh, there, there is a pipeline, right, of like the sort of person, uh, me and Hyper, like we're talking about this, right, that the sort of person that um, doesn't think about their appearance and accepts default boy clothes all the time might end up wearing 
cargo shorts, right? Without really thinking about why they're wearing them. Yeah, honestly, they they might. Because there's something interesting. I want to talk about that perceived neutrality of cargo shorts again, right? That's often a defense that people will give of them, that wear them, is that they're easy. And easy is interesting to me. Because look at the pictures I've sent you. What is easy about that? There are, There's a button. There's a zipper. There's the belt. Like, those are things that, like, that's not a stretchy waistband. <laughs> that's not like a, like, I, I, it's, it's, it's like a little bit, there's a, an element of elevation to it. It's not the simplest thing you can wear. It's not the easiest thing you can wear. No, what's easy about it is the gender role. Mm, it places yeah. you as unassailably masculine. It really is like a codifier for the general idea of what we consider to be a man in society. And it's interesting that like cargo shorts are so loathed and partially it is like whether intentionally or not due to that sort of perceived uh, like, I guess, default male approach. Hi, I'm a man with the courage enough to say that fuck fashion. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's not a point. Like, it's like one of those things where it's like, it, it, it's like a, the thing I always said, and this again, I like, this is not meant to hurt or offend anybody here, but it was an honest, when I was thinking about doing this episode and I thought about cargo shorts, my honest to God answer was wearing cargo shorts makes you look like you have opinions on Gamergate. And I'm like, why do I think that? And I think the reason why is because default men have Gamergate opinions. Like, when I think of the Reddit front page, I think of cargo shorts. Yeah. Because that's who wears this anymore. And again, to the Commune College listener who is certainly listening to this wearing gar- cargo shorts, I am so sorry, because I don't think you're that. I really don't. You're I, still here. I don't think you are either, friends, who are wearing cargo shorts. I am just, like, getting a very specific image in my mind, and my brain is on fire. So... You're one of the people who wears cargo shorts. You're listening to this episode and you're like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to wear now that I've been eviscerated for the past hour? And I am sorry. <laughs> I like it's I, I don't. This is a lot. Um, but and I do want to point out again, this is not a criticism of you. It's very much not a criticism of you. And there are shorts that fit what you like about cargo shorts. Looking casual, but not too casual. Comfy, easy, weekend appropriate, costing roughly the same amount of money. Just regular chino shorts or Bermuda shorts, right? Like, just, like, shorts, you know? Uh, you can just get shorts. The The pockets of these types of shorts are deep and big and enough anymore. It's not the way shorts used to be. I'm wearing a pair of just regular old shorts right now. I've got a wallet and keys in my front pocket and a, a phone, uh, like a regular size cell phone in my other front pocket. It's I don't even have to sit anything in my back pocket. That's everything I need. I'm fine. I'm good. I was I was the socialized masculine too. I get it. You want to carry everything on you. You don't want to carry a purse. Regular shorts get the job done. They're great. And I doubt you need to carry anything more than you have in those front two pockets. I, I really seriously doubt you have more to carry than that. Um, most of the time, I'm just running around. I really just need my phone, my keys, and my wallet. 
And and again, by the way, the wallet in the front pocket, that is an important thing here. Uh, really, that is another just like a side note of this. Please do try the wallet in the front pocket. Um, so much more comfortable. Harder to shoplift from, too. It's just like a safety thing. Um, if you really, 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 really do need the extra space, though, if you really, really, really do need the extra space, I want to give you another consideration, because if you like reviving styles from the 90s, do I have a great style from the 90s that is right back in fashion and looks hot and will make you looking fresh while carrying all of the things that you used to carry in your cargo pockets? Ah, that's right, I'm talking about the fanny pack, but don't wear it as a fanny pack, wear it as a crossbody. So... What I mean by that is a stereotypical fanny pack, right, is worn right in front of you, like with it directly over basically your crotch area or directly over your butt uh, around the back. What I'm saying is no, cross it around your body more like a messenger bag. Um, it's really nice. You, uh, it, it, It's very flattering on the silhouette. Everything's very easily accessible to you. And it, it's e-boy approved. And You can be the next TikTok influencer. You can. And even if you've got like that bearish charm, ooh, that bearish charm with that crossbody. Uh, senior bear correspondent hyperlink uh hyperlink oh it's good folks yeah it's good it's <laughs> you'll 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 get the hyperlinks of the world and, and isn't that what you want isn't that why you're all in this <laughs> like it's just admit it you know and that's that's great so you know you've got a lot you've got a lot of uh fashion options available to you and um if uh, money is an issue um there's a lot of cargo shorts in goodwill these days for understandable reasons but there's still a lot of good short options that you can find in goodwill i've certainly found plenty uh for like three to five dollars so you can uh, a lot of the stuff is very very accessible um i also in the show notes there's um here we go. This is the one I was looking for. This is an Esquire magazine article called Cargo Shorts Are Back. They Just Aren't the Cargo Shorts You Expected. This is from 2020. So are we in the beginning of a cargo shorts renaissance? I don't think so. But the ones that are in here are certainly a lot different than the cargo shorts that we've been talking about. So here's an example that it gives in the article here. So you could see, uh, Hyperlink, could you describe the cargo shorts that have been sent to you? Uh, these are notably slimmer and less bulky. Um, they still are pretty wide cut though. Um, they have more of like a tactical edge to them, um, rather than like a baggy edge to them. I honestly don't like them. Yeah, I don't think they're great either, but they're very clearly not what was before though. They're, right? they're better than, than the before, but they're still not good. This is a hundred dollars from Nordstrom. They're definitely better. Um, really? here, yes. Uh, this is another example from Nordstrom. This is $59, the Twill Utility Short from Noah. And I think this. Okay. I think this Those is right. cargo shorts. They've got the cargo. Po- they've one got the cargo pocket. But that's. I think that. I mean, it's. If you're gonna start defining a cargo short, I feel like the the addition of a cargo pocket is a pretty good place to start. Yeah, I I will also say that this uh, just the way this is cut makes it look a lot less wide than it probably is, and I don't know. I. I'm more into it. It looks more like, you know, utility gym shorts than it does like, uh, you know, attempts at khakis. Yeah. Listener, listener, they are maroon. I want you to imagine maroon above the knee shorts with one cargo pocket and it ties like a swimsuit. Is that cargo shorts? No. That's why I didn't say that like. They're called utility shorts. Let me. I mean, they're cute. And oh, by the way, I think they do. Oh, they're sold out. They are sold out, so they they do. We are going to be seeing so many of these over the summer, 
and I am going to count how many pairs I see over this summer when I decide to go outside without immediately bursting in the flames. Some general things that I do want to point out about these um, uh, that we do see here is length, too. Um, so uh, Hyperlink did mention above the knee for those last. That's a really key one. A lot of old cargo shorts, the ones that I typically see people wearing, are about 11 inch inseams. They're often below the knee. That's mm -hmm. a pretty unflattering and Fred Dursty style. Um, you, you know, I, I love, you know, storming in the party like my name is El Nino as much as everybody else. But, you know, there's a time and a place for that. Um, I would definitely recommend if you're going for a short, go above the knee. It doesn't have to be much above the knee, but like a nine inch inseam is a lot better than an 11 inch inseam. Trust me. And a lot of people, there, another weird thing that you'll sometimes see men say uh, that I, I shows really just how fully marketing brain has ruined us is that people... Uh, men will sometimes think they need to get the baggiest clothes possible or a relaxed fit because they're fat. No, the, the the fit of a jean or a pant describes how it fits on the legs. I don't know anybody, I don't think I've ever met anybody that carries most of their fat on their legs. Like, if you have a gut, you can still wear skinny jeans. Like, that's, you're, you're allowed. It's In fact, they, it'll look good on you if you have a gut, honestly. It's, it looks good. Like, have you seen people who have, like, have you seen uh, people that are on the fat side wear yoga pants? It looks good. You know, like, it, there's a reason that cutting close to the skin looks good. So don't be afraid of that. Mm -hmm. Any other fashion tips from uh, us fellow former cargo shorted, now transgendered <laughs> um, individuals? I certainly have some. So I find if you, especially if you're like new to like thinking about like clothing in this way, um, I find that one of the easiest like tips to think about when you're trying to like think of something to do that isn't this um, is just to think about like silhouette. When I say silhouette, like um, I, I try and when I'm, you know, picking out an outfit and like putting it a, a look together, I try and think about like the um, relative bagginess or tightness of the different items that I'm wearing and mm -hmm. just making sure they all match each other. So the reason why I think cargo pants really don't work, aside from all the masculinity things and other things that we talked about, um, are they are so bulky and wide right in your like kind of like hip and thigh area and they immediately drop down to nothing and it's just like your exposed leg with like a random white sock sticking halfway up your like uh, it, it accentuates area. it accentuates like the little pigeon legs look it makes your legs look skinnier than they are yeah um so instead of that i would either recommend you try and find like um clothes that are roughly the same amount of tight fitting throughout your whole outfit so like for example if you're wearing a shirt that like the this like a cargo pant is going to be way baggier around your like legs than your t-shirt arm is going to be around your arm so like try and maybe like match those proportions a little bit and make it look like it's like kind of the same energy or if you're trying to get fancy with it, have one of them be really big and one of them be really tight. Like right now I'm wearing, a, I'm, I'm a size extra small, but I, I'm wearing a, a size large t-shirt with skinny jeans. And then I tuck the big ass t-shirt into the jeans. And now I have like a two size contrast thing going on. I am, um, so I am similar. Like, Yep, I am similarly wearing a velour. I am wearing a velour jacket, very two thousand one choice, like a like a kind of like a juicy couture throwback, uh, Ralph Lauren uh, throwback uh, velour uh, velour jacket, but with a really tight, like a tight two thousand nine t shirt and uh, baggier pants. So I've got like two baggies, yeah. one tight. Yeah, I uh, I am currently in maximum baggy myself in that I normally wear. Uh, a unisex large because I have boobs and wide shoulders. Otherwise, uh, I would be wearing like 
a medium to a small, depending on the day. But like the entire thing with that is I am wearing a 3XL uh, oversized sweater and extremely large uh, like sweatpants. But it's just like I'm able to pull the sweatpants up a little bit to just where they're comfortable. But don't the seam doesn't show through the uh, like bagginess of the hoodie. So it all just looks like I'm wearing one giant blanket or several giant blankets. And that, my friends, is comfort couture. Exactly. Um, and uh, in terms of comfort couture, too, if you really do want to be comfortable, um, there uh, Uniqlo has a type of joggers that I really love. Joggers are really just um, uh, joggers have started really coming in what, like probably like eight years ago or so, right? Right then, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they might still not be something that you're wearing um, if you last changed your, you know, your style. 10 to 30 years ago. Um, they're, they're pretty, but they're pretty cool though. I mean, it's, uh, I would say might as well jump on now. I only recently, I mean, mea culpa, I only recently did, but they're super, super comfortable. You can find joggers that, um, look really nice, but they're banded at the ankle. So they have like a nice little effect there. You can get some that are both very techie, some that are very street wary and some that are just like kind of understated and nice and like look like almost like a modernized version of, well, cargo short. Yeah, there are options and not every option will be one that I will always be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's exactly what I did because I went the other way. I like fucking immediately dumped like, oh, no, 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 don't let me be masculine. I'm going to get a purse. (laughs) What I will say is this. All of these decisions require you and and involve you doing something that's pretty amazing, which is allowing yourself to have opinions about the way you look. You don't have to wear cargo shorts. You really don't. <laughs> you don't. You don't, you don't got to be apathetic about the way you look. You can do all sorts of exploration and try on clothes that you never would have thought you tried in fitting rooms and return them if you don't like them. You know, you could get, why not get a, a white shirt and red pants? That's fun. That's cool. Do that. Maybe you could wear, like, maybe you could start wearing small prints. That's always fun. Uh, I don't know, like a, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe a graphic tee in a different direction than you normally wear. Like, maybe you normally wear video game tees. Maybe find, like, vintage racing tees or something like that. You know, like, take the tees in a different direction. Go into a thrift yeah, like store. Find, see if you can find one find that's cool. Find like, cool-ass designs. Definitely not saying get rid of graphic tees. They are uh, definitely, though associated with, um cargo shorts i do think that there's plenty of good options for graphic tees um nowadays yeah. there's no reason to, I mean, no reason to abandon that i mean uh there's a reason i'm still like yeah i still wear graphic tees but it's because you can design outfits around them really nicely and like honestly if you're not wearing something like say a basic like h&m top or a graphic tee at my job you are overdressed yeah but yeah, those are all the thoughts I have about cargo shorts. Again, I am sorry to whoever was wearing cargo shorts while wearing this episode. I I do kind of feel bad about that, but I I hope you can come out of it with an understanding of why the world thinks this way about cargo shorts and maybe see a way beyond this. We still love you. We still love you, okay? We still love you. We we still love you. Don't worry. We are not shaming you for wearing cargo shorts. Just maybe, like, look at your fashion and do what you feel is right for you. Or you could do what we did and trans your gender. 
But that's an advanced step. I did that Yeah. probably five, no. Last time I wore cargo shorts was true story when I was dressing as Kevin Federline for a Britney Spears-themed party. And then I ended up transing my gender, what was that, four years after that? So, hey, I might happen. I wore cargo shorts in 2007. Ooh, you're better than me. I, I, uh, eventually grew dysphoric of, like, I don't know, the way my silhouette looked. Like, I only identified it later as dysphoria, but, like, the way my legs looked when I was wearing shorts, and because it was 2007, it was cargo shorts. coded masculine. Yeah, it was like, this is so fucking masculine, and I wore jeans all the time, even during, like, 90-degree heat in band camp. Same. I was also a where I was I was like I went big into the dapper crap back then. So yeah, I was like the one who was like wearing like sport jackets and stuff. Yeah. But any final thoughts, Hyperlink? No, I mean I feel like uh I feel like we basically covered it. Um yeah, again it's like no shade. Um, but like I don't think that the silhouette's very flattering. Um and try and find some stuff that is a little bit more uh chill. I think. Yeah. Like, there are clothes that work for every body shape. Please, please, please find something that you feel great in and allow yourself to feel great in it. And you might not know how great you feel, by the way. Like, you might be able to access a part of yourself you didn't realize you could access. Yeah. I remember the first time I ever wore a Hawaiian shirt in, like, 2014. I felt that way. I remember the first time I wore a dress, I felt that way. I also felt that way the first time I wore a dress. I very, I have the pictures. I I don't have the pictures, but I still have the very first dress I ever owned. Looking at it right now and pointing at it in my closet. Always, always good yeah. to do that. Um, my, mine's uh, in my suitcase, but yeah. Um, but anyway, I think that'll do it for us. Um, so yeah, I think that'll be all. Um, so Hyperlink, how are we going to drive home? We haven't gotten our food yet. Well, but this is uh, all we ordered. Y'all didn't. That was your order. Oh, yeah, oh, you, do you go ahead then. Um, do you have like a fried chicken sandwich? No. Okay, I was just checking. Um, can I get some like um? Actually, I'm not all that hungry. I see. I didn't think you were. Huh? Oh, you yeah. know what it is? I wanted water. Do you okay. have water? Uh, yeah, yeah. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I uh. I'm just going to like grab it from where we keep the water. Just give me a give me a minute. Hold on. Okay. This is a really nice car. I, I'm really glad we went with the whimsical option. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely the most um, silly one that we could get. Great price too. Price. People want water. We don't even have fucking working lights in here. What the fuck? Here's- oh oh, this is still on. Sorry. Oh, uh, 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 I, I don't know. If, y'all don't... y'all uh, y'all please please don't tell my manager that I'm smoking on duty. I mean, Salvia's a little much, but I mean, I just, I think it makes you cool. You're not driving or operating heavy machinery. Yeah, like there's, we don't have shit here. Yeah, uh, I, I noticed on the menu, it, it does seem to mostly be focused on halva. Just like handfuls uh, and handfuls of halva delivered without silverware or packaging. You just give me like a scoop of sticky halva into my hand and it just glops down like a uh, yeah, we have nothing but ice cream scoops of hummus, and it's specifically chocolate hummus. Oh, ugh. that's that's worse than halva. At least halva's good. <laughs> well, 
for coming college. Why I, do you think I only? Why do you think I? I why do you think I smoke on the job? For for coming college, hyperlink. I think we're driving to Arby's. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I'm hyperlink. I'm proxy, and I quit. Oh hell yeah! You want to come to Arby's with us? I hear they have a pretty decent Reuben. Sweet. I'm gonna jump in the car, and uh, I'll get a water. Uh, okay. Uh, just make sure you smoke that all before you get in the car. Uh, smoke makes the no. sides go. But the problem is, smoke makes the sides go the opposite way. So we have to. Okay. So if 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 she's gonna smoke in the car, hyperlink. You have to steer left instead of right, and I have to steer right instead of left. Can you keep that straight? Yeah, totally. Also, the brakes okay, are cut. Also, the brakes are cut. Do you want me to stand on the back of the car and launch the items at fellow drivers? <sighs> also, the brakes are cut now, so we're just gonna have to run into the cars in front of us to stop. I mean, again, do you want me to just stand on the back of the car and throw items at other cars? I was I was under the impression that it wasn't a choice whether you're going to do that or not. Okay, okay. I I was just checking. All right. 